Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Hello, everyone, and happy almost Thanksgiving. I think this day, this week, really, is all about giving thanks to everyone and everything in your life. We are all lucky to be alive, and we have so much to be grateful for. So don't let another second go by. Pause this right now and tell at least one person in your life how much they mean to you. Awesome. Now, on to the episode. Today, I am lucky enough to sit down with my friend, Lucas Parada, and just explore. And I think explore is the best word to describe our experience together because we certainly go on a journey in this episode. We talk about dance and yoga and realizing there's a world beyond our own ambitions. We transition into focusing on helping people through creation rather than helping yourself through competition and discussing the habitual practice of saying, you are enough. We close by learning about his family and his love of learning. Lucas believes that we are not as polarized as we think we are. And he has found that when you treat people with kindness, they respond in kindness. Enjoy the exploration. Well, I always describe my life in chapters. Mm. Because, I, because I'm like philosophical and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I look back on my different phases and I think of them as lifetimes. Because I remember aspects of myself and parts of my personality that I felt like only existed in that portion of my life like who I was in fifth sixth and maybe seventh grade versus like who I was in eighth and ninth grade versus who I was in like 10th 11th and 12th grade yeah I don't know how to it's not that I was a different person but like I changed so much as so many different parts of me evolved and like my journey with coming out and my journey transitioning from like a bro (laughs) who played sports (laughs) into like someone who wanted to be an artist and then you know, I don't know. And I'm also someone that like is constantly adapting to my environment just because I tend to give energy to like whatever is most in front of me and most interesting to me. So I think that like I am a little bit of a chameleon and that's why I changed so much. So when I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I relate to that person anymore. Like who was he? So yeah. that I call them lifetimes because they just, they feel like lifetimes. And if I was going to write a memoir. When, like, when yeah. Oh, when I'll write a memoir. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. I I really do think I'll write a memoir. Even if nobody reads it, like... Yeah, I think just the process of writing something like that. Matthew McConaughey just came out with a new book. I think it's called Green Lights. And of course you've read it. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get on the didn't get on the pre-sale list yet but like oh, it hasn't I, come out yet. I, I think it either just came out or it's like in pre-sale or something I'm not sure but like I will be reading it for sure is he like a figure that is important to you 100 oh, percent. yeah he's that. probably one of my favorite actors for sure I think okay, we'll have to go into that later because I'm curious yeah I mean just you know real quickly like he's just he's just a chameleon he's just like he an artist to me in my in my mind like and I've listened to some interviews and podcast with him on it where he's just like has his guard down more and I feel like I can get a sense of like who he is a little bit more you know what I mean because this idea of like we know who movie stars are but we don't actually know who they are whatsoever because they're all like a persona of themselves but like anyway when he's more realistic to like the interview process I feel like he's just a guy who like grew up total like quote-unquote normal life like in Texas like just really enjoys what he does and is just trying to have a good time like he's just trying to live his optimal life you know what I mean and he just found passion and joy in being an actor you know and he's just you know I just wonder like you know I'm not exactly sure what his training was and stuff but I wonder like how much natural talent he has you know what I mean like I, I, I think it's interesting listening to you talk about him because I think of you as being someone that is so drawn to people that have this kind of authenticity that accompanies their drive. Yeah, like, yeah. you're really drawn to any type of artist or any type of person who, like, has a thing and is on the on the path of that thing whilst also being, like, a really great kind of relatable human. Yes, that is it. Yes. <laughs> um, I tend to be drawn to, like, the people that are, like, mysterious and not relatable at all. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but so, I, I don't know a lot about Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But I, I do. He, he does strike me as like this, like kind of happy-go-lucky, bobs around guy who has this a powerful ability to like take on characters. Yeah, yeah. But like really take them on, right? Yeah. Like when he goes in, he goes in. Oh, all the way. Yeah, but it's it's just cool to know that he's not like Daniel Day Lewis, who's like 
a method actor that like literally goes in and like becomes that person which you know there there's there's a space for that i i suppose like it's a technique of acting it's just not one that i really identify with because the whole purpose of acting in my mind is that you're portraying a story you're you're imitating life yeah. you're not actually doing it because then where's like the line you know what i mean between like being an actor and just real life you know so i i think like to get a glimpse that he's really just this fun loving guy but he can put on a performance like dallas buyers club which if you haven't seen it you have to but like it, which is one of many that he's done and like to know that like he spent years doing rom-coms just being like this goofy yeah. kind of sexy <laughs> like you know surfer looking dude and then just like made this choice to like put that career at a halt and transform himself because once you get to that certain level of success like people see you a certain way especially when you're an actor and, and like hollywood and stuff and then to have to completely do a 180 and say i'm not gonna do rom-coms anymore i'm gonna do straight dramas you know i'm going after that academy award and then he did it well it kind of reminds me of where i mean kristen and i were having a conversation yesterday about how to really grow to like choose to to do something and and do it really well when you're not when you haven't spent your whole life doing it you have to literally put yourself in a place where you are uncomfortable like every day and that's one of the things that i admire about kristen and, and it's part of our conversation yesterday where she was like you know sometimes i well the gist of the conversation was just i was saying to her like Every single day, like you go into a studio, and or you go into your roof and you improv, and you, you're surrounded by people that have been dancing with like this clear direction of like this is what I'm going to do for like majority of their life, and you're like pulling up right, which is uncomfortable because like you're always in a place where you're fighting, mm-hmm. and that like nobody's going to enjoy that 100 percent of the time. But the choice that you make every single day to like continue to persevere, even when you have days where like you feel like blowing your brains out because you just cannot, like the formula does not, X does not equal Y, it doesn't make sense to you, you're insecure, you're in your mind, you're in your head, she still goes after it. I know, man. She is my inspiration. And it's, yeah, and like I told her, I'm like, the thing is, is like you're going to wake up one day and it's all going to click. Yeah. And like, or... It'll happen for you in a class when, when after the pandemic and you're going to be surrounded by all these, frankly, mediocre dancers and you're going to suddenly feel how much you've grown and that is going to feel so good Yeah. because all the time and effort that you've put in will have amounted to something. Okay, so, but also, I'm fascinated by specifically actors that learn on set that for some reason, like Natalie Portman, didn't you bring her up? She's a good example of this, like someone who literally learned on set. Hmm. Or maybe it was... I saw this in like a master class. It might have been like, her master I think it was either yeah. it was either Natalie Portman or Helen Mirren. Maybe both. No, it was definitely Natalie Portman. Okay. And she didn't have formal acting training, really. Like she learned on set. And when you think about her career, like she's like Princess Amidala. Right, right, right. <laughs> My queen. So but fierce. she's also done so, oh, so many much, like yeah. powerful roles and she learned on set. I mean, obviously there's a degree of like natural talent there, right? Like you don't just walk on set and and be fabulous unless you're naturally fabulous, but yeah. Well, that's, what's great about being, I mean, that's what I love about being an actor. That's what I crave about being a creative artist in general. I think it requires patience and attention, like at the highest degree, because at the highest level, because you, you have to be so aware of yourself and your surroundings and the people that you're with. And I think that if that's naturally in you, as it probably is in these really great actors, then it comes a little more easily, probably, just without thought. I think that's the number one thing that gets in people's way is, like, overthinking. You know what I mean? That a lot of what we're capable of is already within us. This is what we were talking about the other day. And it's really just about acknowledging it and letting it be free. And I think that's the beauty of being an actor specifically, but also just any creative artist is yeah. like being open to each moment. Yeah. And then like sitting with the fear as it presents itself, because I, I was listening to an episode of Dana's podcast yesterday and she was talking about fear and she was saying how when she put out this survey of like what scares you most, everything basically boiled down to either fear of failure or fear of judgment, which I was thinking about and I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty real. And like the most immediate <laughs> example is I'm in an improv class, as you know, um, and I'm fabulously funny and getting funnier every week. Of course. <clears throat> and every single week I turn on the Zoom. I dread it. I dread it all day. And then I turn on the Zoom camera and I'm there and I'm instantly nervous to the point where like it's as if I'm about to go on stage 
I have butterflies in my stomach, my heart's beating, I'm sweating. And it's just like nine people from across the country. We're all in our bedrooms and like there's just, I don't know any of them. They're not like super famous superstars Mm -hmm. and it's a 101 class. So there's literally no reason for me to be terrified and I I so clearly am. (laughs) Like I am just shaking in my boots. And sometimes I get over it. Like sometimes I, I find my stride and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm learning. And other times I like end the, the session and I'm like, that was so horrible. I'm trash. Um, I should never try to be funny because I'm not. Sure. And either way though, like I am putting myself in a situation where I have to be receptive and aware like of what the other people are putting down or throwing out for me to pick up on. And I'm growing. Yes. Like I am, I am, I can feel myself like learning this art and I don't know if it will ever come in handy. I think it will. Cause there've been so many times where people are like, you should take improv. And I've been like, <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> I think just what you just said, like, and that you were, what you were talking about with Kristen doing daily. Like, I think if not, if you take away nothing else, which you probably will take away more, but if you take away nothing else, it is just that practice of showing up, being uncomfortable, being aware and allowing yourself to absorb whatever it is that you're going to absorb. And I think like the toughest thing is for when those days come where you like feel like absolute shit and yeah. then you, your work amounted to nothing and whatever. I think just letting that be and letting that exist and just moving on from that, what I would do in the past is like focus on that. So the yeah, one shitty day. It. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cut it up and be like, this one fucking millisecond, what did I do wrong exactly. there? How can I flip it on its head and make it awesome? Yeah. And and over time, if you get in the habit of doing that, you start to see all the mistakes in your work instead of all the successes, I think. Yeah. And nobody has perfect work. You know, I think another thing that I love about actors, didn't realize we'd be talking about professional actors so much. But, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, I, so many of them say that they don't even watch their own stuff. You know, because they, first of all, like what you do on set to the finished product, especially in like big budget films, it's like night and day, just not even the same thing. It's like you record a 30 second scene and then all of a sudden it's this whole grand thing with editing and all that stuff. But like, it's fascinating to think that they don't watch it, not because they don't enjoy what they do, but because maybe it's because they, they want to preserve that moment of creation that they made and they put themselves into and then they, they go to the next, they're on the next challenge. Yeah. They're on the next adventure. You well, know? I feel like there's an argument to be made on either side of the aisle because I'm going to relate it to dance because I'm a dancer. Um, <laughs> snaps. I like Kristen was again to bring up Kristen because she's in my life every day. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were like filming a combo the other day and she was like, I felt this way doing it. And then I watched it back and it didn't look the way it felt. And I'm, And on the one hand, like, it is really, it is, there have been times where it's been incredibly beneficial for me to watch myself back and be like, I'm experiencing something that is entirely different from the way it's reading. I mean, it, that is like powerful information to know, right? Like, because you can grow from working through those issues and trying to fix it. But the flip side of that, which is what you're saying, is that there is something really, really sacred about what it was. And what you're going to see it as because it's your work is inherently different than what it is anyways. Like you're never going to be able to watch your own work from an unbiased point of view. So if you watch yourself back, it's going to take on a whole myriad of qualities that weren't what they were in the moment. And that's going to change your perception of what the experience was. So if it was a really like blissful experience, it's going to become like a almost like painful experience. And that doesn't, that's not always productive. So I think it's like, there's probably a balance to be struck there and you get to decide as an artist like what's important. Totally. Like that that to me has been one of the most frustrating things about auditioning as an actor and as a singer specifically and and maybe as a dancer too. I just feel like in in those calls that are just happening quickly that you know those first one or two calls and first callback or something like that where it's like you know you go in you do your thing and that's it. Like there's no there's no point of feedback. Maybe you'll get a line or a couple words from the people in charge that say like good job or like that was great or you sound good or whatever like you looked great like yeah. that kind of thing, but there's no conversation so you so how you can't really balance what your what you felt you did yeah. versus what they thought you did, you know what I mean? Even yeah. though what they thought you did ultimately 
kind you of gotta, in a way is what matters. You like, gotta befriend those people and get inside their <laughs> slide into their DMs. And be like, hi, excuse me, what could I have done better? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, tips of what never to do. Yeah, um, right. And then it's the whole argument that, like, you know, you put five different people in a room, they're all gonna respond differently to what you do. So, but my 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 counter to that is that, like, I love live auditions, as I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. And like, you don't. Okay, so you're not getting. You sometimes. Get, I mean, as a dancer you, you sometimes do get feedback especially if you make it through rounds they'll kind of give you notes because they're a little bit more rooting for you right but I have found for me personally that like one of the biggest things I hate about let's take self tape since we're doing those now more frequently although that's probably not true I'm probably not doing <laughs> I'm probably not doing self tapes <laughs> well more definitely frequently. not doing in person um, I, I, I really love that like it can be very unpolished in the room and still have the essence of what is being looked for because I know for a fact that I've had auditions where I, I have felt very right and sometimes I've messed up, but those mess ups are not a reflection of the fact that I'm not quote unquote right for the job. It's just a reflection of the fact that I'm human. You just threw me in a room, we learned a combo in 20 minutes and then we danced it. And that's like, you know, the human brain is not perfect. But I really like that it doesn't have to be polished because I think that like, if I were behind the table, I'm always going to be looking for something bigger than just the craft no matter whether it's singing, acting, dancing, it's always going to be about the person who's doing the craft. Yes. Always, right? Like what they bring to the table, how they are in the room, and you feel that. And that I think is, is even though you might be going into an audition and not getting feedback, like if you're a self-aware artist, which you kind of have to be if you're going to succeed, like that sometimes has to be good enough. Yeah. Although like I will say that there have been times in my, like I think back to the time where I lived in LA and it was like coming off the heels of having worked for Katy Perry and then coming off the heels of going to China and dancing. So I got back to the city and I like wasn't booking anything. But I was auditioning for everything and I was getting all the way through and I was like fighting really hard. That was a time in my life where I was looking for feedback. I was really looking for like what is it about me that isn't right for these jobs that clearly like I'm good enough to book but I'm not booking because I'm not, at the end of the day when there's 12 headshots on a table, mine is the one that's getting thrown out. Why is that? Did you ever figure that out? Well... You know, I never got like a concrete, this is why you weren't right for <laughs> this myriad of like 20,000 jobs that you auditioned for. But I know after much self-awareness and self-reflection that it had a lot to do with the way that I was showing up. Like I was showing up with an air of desperation. I was showing up with like a hunger that wasn't reading as, as like a healthy hunger. It was reading as like a something that you don't want to be around. Like yeah. if you're behind the table, you feel that like sense of urgency that nobody wants to work with that yeah and I, I, I truly believe that like I was looking at that point like I needed my profession my art to validate me mm. to validate my existence so at that point like everything was riding on that one audition all the time and I, yeah. I, I think that that was a mistake like and and it was a mistake I had to make like I don't think I would be able to stand where I am now had I not gone through a long period of time where I just wasn't it yeah you know and and that's i think okay yeah and and maybe that was a more powerful lesson that i needed to learn in the long term than someone being like well your hair is the wrong color right right which i think prolongs people learning that for for a while where they get those specific little things from either a casting director or a producer or somebody that they admire right that like they say one thing and they're like okay that's what i'm doing fixate on yeah that. fixate on that and fix it and then then i'll then i'll be famous you know right. or, or successful but <laughs> It's hard. I don't know if ex I don't know if there's any other teacher other than experience in that in what you were saying because I can relate to that so hard. It's like how do you walk into a room knowing that you want that job but being so confident and authentic that it doesn't come across that you need that job. And it's like, you know, we're fighting. It is a competition in a sense that like I either get it or you either get it. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. like somebody's going to get it. But it's not necessarily like a win or lose situation. Yeah. And that's the... Yeah, and, and it's, you know, especially in Broadway, it's like a, not now, but maybe later. <laughs> right. But I also, I also know that it's 100% possible to walk into a room and carry yourself as if you are, you know, a professional and you want the job, but not in a way that makes it feel like you're, like, asking something mm -hmm. and, like crawling toward the table being like please you know what I mean mm -hmm. I don't I because because I, I showed up when I got to this city when I got to New York 
and my head was a little bit more on straight, you know, what, two and a half years later, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never forget the way I walked into the jagged, like the, the vac- vacation swing jagged call, because for whatever reason, like on that day, I was very confident in what I was bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. I was like, I am your guy, not only because I can sing and dance, but because like, look at me, <laughs> this, like, right. this is my show. But I don't, I don't think that I represented myself in a way that was too flashy, was too in your face, was desperate, was craving attention. I really don't. I think I just was poised and professional, but also like had a sense of self-worth. And, and I think to your point, like that comes with experience and that, that's not going to be the case for all auditions, right? Like it's in our life circumstances are changing. So therefore, so is the way we're showing up, mm-hmm. you know, like a pandemic and like a global <laughs> crisis, like a presidency later. We once again go to the audition room and we'll see how we show up. But right. I mean, I don't think I'll, you know, probably you or I will ever go back to that place yeah. where the job is the only thing that matters. Right. Well, that's what that's the sort of hidden dark beauty and comedy of this moment right now that we're living in is that it's forced us to live a life that is without that, you know? And so... But life is going on, you know, life is happening. We're living and we're surviving. So clearly we don't need that job. Right. You know, clearly we don't need that to survive. So I think it's important to remind ourselves of that when we walk into the room. But also in addition to sort of removing the stress, removing the anxiety is really like, I'll never take it for granted again. I don't think that I did so much in recent years. But like, if there ever is a day that I feel like I'm going to, I won't because clearly you know, we know what it's like when it's taken away. But something interesting that I just thought of, like, speaking not to, you know, actors or dancers or singers, like, there's still a way to show up in your life, you know what I mean? To, to sort of, quote unquote, walk into the room and, like, go after the things that feel right. You know, like, what you said about Jagged, like, there are those moments, and you'll never really know unless you know, you know, where you're, like, in the room, you're in the process, you're feeling the energy, you're doing your work, and you're, like, yeah, like this is it. I'm locked in. I belong here. I'm doing great. Like those yeah. moments come few and far between sometimes, but when they hit, they're golden. Right. And there are ways that people can feel that just in life. You know, it's just like it's the pursuit of something that matters to you, and then it's the like equal and shared energy of the people that are also searching for something that matters to them, which is you and the product that you are going to give. And yeah, yeah, that to me is like a, a sort of utopia life like (laughs) where you where you're you're in your your track you're in your lane and you're moving towards something you know you're moving towards something so you're showing up as if that something's already yours and on the way you have these people around you and these places and these things that ultimately support you on that journey and it feels like synergy it feels like things are kind of conspiring with you but i i think some days this is not true, but most of the time it is. Like I think that's what I'm experiencing right now, and that I is a testament to like the the collective will that we've cultivated in our friendship circle of like, you know, there's no jobs right now, but there will be, and when right. we're here, we will be ready. But it's not like a I don't know blase sort of we're gonna be ready when it comes back. It it feels like this powerful sort of pact we've made with one another and ourselves mm-hmm. of like no. We're really serious about this. Like, we're here doing this thing because we know it's going to happen for us. It's not in a pompous sort of way. It's just in like, a, this is our, this is what we want. This is our destiny. Like, yeah. this is, and that, and I think that a lot of what we've created for ourselves, even on the days where it does feel heavy or it feels financially constrained or what have you, like, it, it still feels like we're moving on that track. And and for me, like, I think that that is a feeling that has been pretty elusive. I think it's elusive in general for most people. And when I find it, it's indicative to me that I'm like alive, mm-hmm. right? That I'm living in that, that sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Because for me, like we at a certain point have to decide if we believe in purpose and like whether or not we're going to find our quote unquote purpose. And then we have to kind of decide like what that is, you know, but the way that we and I am moving through life right now feels so purposeful to me. And it's funny that that's come more than ever before at a time when there's no opportunity. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. But that's fine. It's amazing. It's fine. And it, and, and at a certain point, we just have to surrender to that. Yeah, I think I think it begins with making that choice if you want to believe that your life has meaning or if it doesn't, you know? And 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 if it does, then 
you know, a big important step of that is surrounding yourself with people that share your vision, you know, in general about life and, and even more specifically in terms of like what you want out of life. You know, if you can, Mm. if you can surround yourself with people that want the same thing or want similar things, like you're all going to hold each other accountable because not only is it holding each other accountable, but you know, you, you want to show up more for those people too. So like if, and, and, and like, I, I think not to plug New York city, but like, anyone who doesn't live here what are you doing i was just gonna say that new york city is is that like is that constant like give and take of energy in a way that no other city has ever i mean done for me and i think we can use the example of what happened last night where that little girl was watching us film that dance video and she has you know the bravery to like talk to us to compliment us Kristen being Kristen invites her to come dance with us she comes and dances with us like Mm -hmm. i think that is so magic and like i i honestly believe that that is like a collective energy that we've cultivated in the city where like some days things are the water gets taken from our cup of course and other days the city pours the water back in and like that's part of being in this collective and i think that is a that that does contribute to like the inspiration of being an artist here because it's like there's so much we're just like teeming with life and teeming with different communities different pockets of people different pathways different ideas different forms of artistry that's always around us Mm -hmm. and that is like again like it makes me feel so alive yes it's just i mean so maybe the moral of the story here is like you have to your your environment really does matter your environment can make or break like your vision of yourself as an artist your environment in its entirety like where do you live what does it look like who are your friends like what are you doing every day what's your job how does it make you feel like who are the people you go who's your bodega your corner bodega man and like does he greet you with kindness or does he like glare at you like that exactly. you know what I mean? like that shit matters it, it all matters <laughs> I mean, the fact that i can live in the same city but different parts and feel completely different things mm-hmm. like is a testament to itself it matters exactly where you are and exactly yeah. what you're doing like it, it doesn't matter that you have friends. It matters exactly who those people are. You mm. know, it's it really comes down to the specifics, I guess, especially as you get older. You know what I mean? Mm. Like when you're young and a kid, involve yourself with as much stuff as you can. Try to be around as many different people as you can. Go to as many different places as you can. But when you get older and you really want to define what it is that's important to you yeah. and focus on your goals and achieving them, then it really comes down to specific things. What neighborhood are you going to live in? Who are you going to live with? Are you going to live alone? You know, where are you going to go to eat? What are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to exercise? Like, yeah. you know, who get, who gets your time and who doesn't? Like, who gets your time and who doesn't? I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really big thing. And I, mm-hmm. but I, you know, there's, there's something to be said too for staying open, for allowing yourself like, I don't know what you would define as young, but I, 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 I think that like staying open to experience even as you get specific about what you need is like really important. For sure, yeah. Really, really important. And like I think I think that ties into like a big problem with what a lot of Americans and and the red parts of the states maybe like they have issues with being open to different things. Yeah. Like simple as that. But yeah, I agree with you. Like as you get really clear about what your goals are and where you're going, like the little choices, they really matter. And, and the little things that you might not think have an impact on you, they do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. all connected. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's interesting in terms of maybe your life, in terms of how things have changed and evolved over time. You were saying like, you know, as, as you get more specific, still remain open. Because I think at any point, our direction can change. We just have to make sure that it's genuine to us, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's a beautiful thing to focus on, I think, is that at any moment it could change. And so if it should change, let it, you know? Like, I think a lot of the time people don't let it or don't even seek that change. And so they sort of fall into this rhythm. But it seems like you, over the course of maybe the last five or so years, have sort of experienced these sort of multiple big changes that you have remained who you are in the sense of, like, your coreness. But... Things have really happened, as you were telling me, like, I, I'm very interested in this trajectory of your life at these yeah. points of, like, dropping out of school, going to L.A., leaving L.A., you know, leaving dance pretty much, yeah. yoga, and then back to sort of dance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And that that's just, like, an interesting progression that I... Yeah. Okay, so we'll talk about it. So I, I also <laughs> want to start... <laughs> I want to start this conversation by saying that I'm listening to this book about gay people in Poland in, like, the 70s and... There was this quote from the book. It was just like a grandma telling her son. She was like, "Just you never know when the thing you love most will be gone." <laughs> I was like, I was walking like to the gym, and I was like, "That's 
so true. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So yeah, I mean, I think I'm lucky in the sense that I found dance and and music. You know, like when I was in ninth, tenth ish grade, because that, in a way that I know that a lot of people don't have, like it gave me a sense of purpose. And that sense of drive, that sense of ambition, that sense of purpose was really, really critical to every decision I made in my life up to now. Like it just, it gave me this framework, but it didn't feel like a burden. It didn't feel like, it just felt like the natural thing to do was always to follow this passion. And I think that like, for me personally, I don't really think that the pursuit of the career, at least in its infant stages, was a choice. Like much like being gay, like I... I had to do it. And I think if I had done anything else, you know, like I'm an intellectually curious person. I have a lot of interests. I'm genuinely interested in people in all their complexities. But if I had chosen anything other than dance and music, I would have been soulless. Like it would have killed me. Yeah. And so, yes, I went to University of Arizona. I actually like pitched a fit in high school and was like, I'm not going to college. I don't need college. I don't want to go there. You can't make me like, <laughs> like screaming and crying and like the bumper boat like line where my parents were taking me in summer in 11th grade. I have like a vivid memory of that. I don't know why. My parents were like, fine, you don't have to go to college. And then I was like, I can't go to LA. I, I got scared and I, I wasn't ready. Like oh, I wasn't, okay. I wasn't always a very capable dancer. Like I... There was a time in my life where I was just not good enough. Like, I was young in my development. So I, I, I went to University of Arizona. And I give it credit because it was a cool place to be in, in the sense that I got training. I got good ballet, modern, jazz training. And I was surrounded by a couple people. I was surrounded by a lot of shitty people. Like, a lot of really shitty people, including the faculty. Like, some of them were really terrible, I think. But I also was surrounded by a couple, like, incredible people. And sometimes, as artists, like, we meet those people who really like shift our whole world and that changes the way we approach our art and I met like two of those people in college and they ended up being really important to me after college too so you know after I had been there for three semesters I felt myself stagnating like I felt my my disinterest I felt my my, my anger my frustration this like inner I've always I can, I can be angry like I, I think that that's sometimes my default reaction to things that upset me is anger and so I was angry like every day but I was lucky. I, one of my friends, Kat, who's one of those people that shifted my world, she was like, why don't you come to LA with me and like audition for this company? So I did. I auditioned for the company. and While um, you were still in school. While I was still in school. And I was the only one from school that ended up getting it. And it was like a sign from Los Dios. Like I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus has bestowed upon me this, this higher path. And yes. I am going for it. And yes. I did. And I left school and everything changed. Like all of a sudden I was in, I was 19 I was young. I was living on a futon in my friend Joe's bedroom. I had like $400 to my name. I had a car that didn't really work that well. And I went to LA and I and I danced. Like I was in, like, I was just surrounded by like incredible fucking people. Like, like the caliber dancers that define our culture. And that was amazing. That was all I needed for like a year and a half. Like, and I started to work. I was, I got signed right away. Like first week off a of hip hop audition. It was a, it was a true blessing. And again, like I felt like the universe was kind of with me after about a year and a half. Like I said, I, I had a couple great jobs and then I went to China and that was a really difficult. I was there for two months and that was really hard for me. And I came back and like, I was kind of overweight. I was in a really bad mental place, like really, really bad mental place. And as I said before, I was auditioning and not getting anything. So I went into a little bit of a depression and it just so happened that at that time, I met my my ex, you know? So as I was kind of like pseudo like falling in love, I was also like struggling, mm. struggling, 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 like really quietly because I didn't know how to talk about it. And I didn't want to talk about it. Like I wanted to keep it and I wanted to fight it. I wanted to overcome it. And mm. that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I was broke and like this felt like a new lifetime. Like me in LA, but like so sad. Wow. All the time, you know? So, like, the same place that had made me so happy and just, like, defined my dreams, like, mm -hmm. flipped on its head. And then and then suddenly my entire life looked different. Like, driving through the city had this completely different feeling. Yeah, so I drove for Uber or whatever. I did, like, gig, gig economy work, lived paycheck to paycheck. And then I was given the gift of a yoga training, went to Costa Rica for, like, a month, and realized like oh my god the only i've never seen the world as anything other than like a ladder to climb in the dance world like that's my that's my lens to look at the world and i had to redefine that like i wasn't living as a you know, I, the people in my yoga training like they saw me as this like this like 
fucking flashy LA over the top kid who like didn't know how to talk to real people and like I probably was that uh-huh. and over the course of that one month like I felt like I kind of got slapped a little bit and and realized like I woke up I was like oh there's a world out there okay so then I went back you know and I'm I'll, I'll condense the rest of the story Not but all, I, yeah. I went back and and I fell in love with yoga because it, because opposite of dance and being an artist which is very selfish and like in the, in the fact that to pursue it, you have to put yourself first, mm-hmm. always. So unlike that, yoga gave me this, this ability to feel like I was connecting with the community, that I was helping people, that I was giving them this, this window into their own spiritual or physical world that maybe they didn't have. And, and I know for a fact that like the hour that people spent on the mat for a lot of people, like quote unquote, saved them. And I don't say that because it like... I got that perception, like they told me that. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really powerful, and I fell into this community of people who were, you know, trying to make the world a better place. Many of whom had fallen into yoga because their own dream had been problematic, just like me. And through that, I got like I became interested in politics and what have you. But I think that the whole time that I was doing that, and with my boyfriend, my ex boyfriend, like I was very there was something. There was the, that core piece of me that had driven me my whole life was a little bit gone, and that was really scary, mm. like really scary because it, like the foundation of who I was sort of was taken away from me, and so I didn't know how to, you know, I attached myself to yoga. I yoga became my identity because dance wasn't my anymore, and so I didn't have that thing to like stake my name to. And then Disney happened, you know, like fast forward a year and a half of right. like of like being a good yoga teacher in LA and thinking maybe I'll do this forever. And so were you just not dancing during that time? No, like literally I, I, I took class a little bit for the first couple months of me being a yoga teacher and then I just stopped. Wow. I, I, like I thought, you know, dancers are annoying and mm-hmm. like I bought into my ex's story that like that I couldn't go anywhere with dance. Like that was his thing. He was like... You know, like singers can become like artists and actors can become famous and but like what do dancers get? Wow. You know, like they don't get anything. I sort of bought into that. I was like, he's right. Like, what am I spend my life and like be living paycheck to paycheck when I'm forty? Like I was scared because reality sets in as you get older and, and you start to think about like I was thinking about as a twenty two year old, like how am I gonna provide for my freaking boyfriend who can't fucking decide what his passion is and ultimately like has no direction in life and is putting his own shit on me. So I'm internalizing that shit. Like but I but here I am, like this loyal, cutesy little butterfly boyfriend just wanting to like provide, fucking drive him around the city because I didn't have a fucking car oh. and like taking on that shit, like making it my own and that's why when I did get Disney, like, it was such a fucking slap in the face because I was like, wow, I love dance. And, like, you know, this ties back into what we were talking about before about, like, the journey and having to go through that and everyone having their own path and their own timing and what have you. Like, it's, like, all the cliche things that we always talk about. But, like, I had to go through a lot of life lessons to, one, realize that loving dance is not selfish. Like, being here on this earth and like realizing that I actually really, really, really love to dance and to sing, that isn't selfish. It might feel selfish in its pursuit and I admit that it can be, but like it isn't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the wrong way to look at it because dance can really change people's lives. And two, like the shit that you go through, like those little lessons that seem trivial at the time, they are who you are. They make you who you are they make you that product that you're trying to sell when you walk into an audition room and and that is like that's what it's all about yeah man we part in this interruption for a very important announcement we are celebrating a historical victory by president joe biden and vice president kamala harris but there is still work to be done Vote Save America is working with Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight in support of the campaigns of Democratic Senators John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. Senate runoffs on January 5th will determine which party controls the Senate. Joe Biden has officially won Georgia. Now it is time for the next leg of the race to help the Democrats flip the Senate. For just $2, RegisterToVote.org will be able to reach one new person with the materials they need to register and to vote. There are hundreds of thousands of eligible voters that have yet to register in Georgia. If you live in Georgia, December 7th is the registration deadline with early voting starting on December 14th. 
If you don't live in Georgia and want to be part of the action, then visit votesaveamerica.com or at votesaveamerica on Instagram to learn more, adopt Georgia, and donate. Everything and anything helps. Together, we can build a better nation. I spent a lot of time as, as a kid angry because I felt like my pride, my honor, my like essence was always under attack and I wasn't sad, I wasn't depressed, like I knew like, there was something in me that just wanted to be different and wanted to be seen as like powerful, this powerful individual okay. and anytime, I think, you know, before I came to terms with my sexuality, like whenever someone would, would attack me it felt like my pride was being wounded and my default response was to get so viscerally angry. It was never physical. Mm -hmm. I never like, my instinct is never to lay a hand on someone, but that's, that's how it manifested for me. A lot of wasted time there, but like maybe that was just the process that I had to go through. Mm -hmm. I think that like the biggest problem with masculinity in general is like, as it boils down is men and our inability to like swallow our pride and like, listen to someone say something that might contradict our views and then be able to process that and accept when we're wrong in a peaceful harmonious way yes right right i know that the the times that i'm feeling my lowest are the times when i need my people the most mm. like to just remind me that like all feelings deserve to be felt your feelings are valid here's a different perspective to look at your feelings from so that you don't stay stuck in your same thought pattern and just know that like you're going to keep pushing and there's goodness on the other side of that. And that might be true, it might be not, right? <laughs> maybe maybe you're just destined for a year of fucking shit. <laughs> right, right. Who the fuck knows? But I don't think that that is a reason to stay in a place of negativity all the time. And so that's what our community is there for. That's what our friends are there for. That's like the environment that we choose to surround ourselves. Because if I didn't have you guys or any of my other friends to just be like you know me i go crazy sometimes we so do you like yeah. we have days where we're like what the fuck is it all for right, man yeah. i'm putting you here like of i course. just don't get it <laughs> of like course. you know sometimes it feels like you know too much so whatever like that that feeling is inevitable and we need each other to just like hug it out validate you what your feelings real Here's a new perspective. Tomorrow we're going to hit it differently. Mm -hmm. And you wake up and you're you're more ready to deal with with that problem. Like that is life. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I I totally agree. It's it's not necessarily about like being happy each and every day. It's just about like recognizing that life can bring so many different feelings and thoughts and experiences our way and just getting better at handling how we deal with them. Mm -hmm. And, and knowing that they don't they do not define us, mm -hmm. right? Like they can be obstacles that can be big or small, but ultimately they're just obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it seems, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you're less susceptible at this point in your life. You're less susceptible to those big, dramatic, horrible moments or that, or that really deeply felt pain. Am I right on that or is it just I think so. I think like that's part of growing up, but I also think that like we're still in this year, so we're still experiencing the frustrations, but I think that if anything, and I can't say this for certain, we are going to look back hopefully at this time and be like, but damn, like didn't we learn how to overcome just about literally anything? Because mm -hmm. if we can deal with the shock of losing our loved ones, if we can deal with the shock of losing our industry, if we can deal with the shock of losing our jobs, and meanwhile, having leadership that is like the equivalent of like space aliens that don't speak our language, like trying to do like calculus, then we can survive literally anything. I just don't. I think that we've learned that we're strong as fuck. Right. I, I think about this a lot. I, I try not to look back on my life and say like, oh, I wasted this time. Like, I don't think that any time is genuinely wasted. I think even if it's spent in a dark place or even if it's spent in, you know, experiencing some sort of loss or you look back and you wish you did things differently, I feel like mm. you're here because you're here now and you're here because of everything that happened. And if it went a different way, you know, the butterfly effect, all that shit, like yeah. if it went any different way, like you wouldn't be here. But that being said, like there was a large part of my life where I sort of spent years of my life spent like telling myself that I wasn't good enough, you know, saying mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. You know, and mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, and these are the reasons why, and everybody else can do it except me, and 
these people are so much farther ahead than me, so why even try to get there, you know? And I think that, yes, over time, like, my experience grew, my training grew, my skill set grew, yes, but really the only thing that really changed is that I just started to tell myself that I can do this, Mm -hmm. and I just started to make that a habit of telling myself, thinking it, feeling it, that I'm capable of blank, you know? And then the things that I've always wanted from when I was a kid thinking about what I wanted with my life, they just started to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Even though I've never really had a conscious day, and this is where I want to get into with like us, our creative relationship together is like really like making those contracts, like sitting down and writing out exactly what it is that I want. I've had like ideas of what I wanted and then, and then they've just sort of manifested themselves over time. Or evolved. Evolved, yeah. Fall away, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think about that with my relationship with Kristen. Essentially, like, I I look back and I'm like, how the hell did I end up, like, right here? Like, Mm -hmm. married with her. It's just, like, a wild concept. But when I was a kid, I've always wanted to be married. You know, Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have a wife. So, like, it's crazy to think that those things, however slowly or they may happen, like, if you continue to tell yourself, you know, it's, it's like mind positivity, I think, like repetition. If you continue to tell yourself what it is that you want, yeah, then you achieve those things. And it's the same thing of like, if I say that I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I can't do this, I can't do this, then you will actively find reasons why that is true. Man, it's just like, there's so many parts where you're saying, it's like, I, cause the, you are not enough thing is runs rampant in the world and it's something I've struggled with in therapy forever. But you also talked a little bit about like time being wasted. And I just, I think that thinking that time is quote unquote being wasted or looking back on time you could have spent differently and like, or glorifying your past self and being like, oh, he did it better. All of those things are just fluff. They're, they're a waste of time and they're lies. They're, they're complete lies. Like our brain will do that. They'll, it'll fuck with us because we have the ability to look back on things in a completely different way than the reality actually was. <laughs> I, and I, I remember Kelsey, when I first got to LA in 2016, my friend Kelsey Lander, shout out to her if she, if she ever hears this. Like she told me on my first day in the city, she was like, she was like, oh, it's going to happen for you. So just enjoy the process. If I could give myself one piece of advice, I would just say enjoy the process because it'll happen. <laughs> I was like... At that point, I was like, you're annoying. I, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. so impatient and I just want things to happen for me right now. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, like, thinking the time is wasted and it's gone is just, it's just a way for us to, like, spend more time thinking about what we could have done differently, which is ultimately futile. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the ability now to, to make things differently and to kind of conquer our fears and to evolve every day. And to our creative relationship, like... That has been something. We're still, I think, in the infant phases of that because when we've only been friends for what a hundred days. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, like, we obviously have certain things that we have thought about. Oh, I'm gonna do this, and then it will fall away. And other things that are more, they come back again and again and again. And that's why putting it on paper, at least for the next six months, is going to be really helpful and clarifying. And that will hold us accountable, so we don't have to feel like we're wasting time as long as we're taking constant steps to get there. So, so we have like the, the wasting time thing and then we have the you, you are enough thing. And I think that like they go hand in hand, but I think that the you are enough thing is it is an underlying belief system for like everything you do. So if your fundamental belief is I am not enough, then that will manifest in every single way and I, I, way of your life ever. And I think that the best way to counter that is to do what you said and to like go to therapy and start like working <laughs> that message into your life of like no I am enough and even on days when that doesn't ring true for you like still taking actionable steps emphasis on actionable steps that will help you get closer to the goals that you've set for yourself to make you feel like you are enough yeah I I mean I guess maybe it's maturity or something but but when I was younger it was I realized it's not about just declaring something you know what I mean like I think of the office I don't know if you've seen it but I have it's just, I th- I forget the exact episode, but, oh, Michael declares bankruptcy. And he walks out into the, into the office and he says, I declare bankruptcy! And, and Oscar goes over and he's like, you know you can't just say it. Like, you have to file paperwork and stuff. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's 
it's moments like this, these conversations that we're having, that this alone fills me with passion and and drive and motivation and joy. And it's really just for me about you know cultivating those feelings throughout my day every single day. Mm. And even if I'm not necessarily like on Broadway or in Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like less about achievements and more about understanding and implementing those feelings. Because if I get through a day, I was just talking about this with my friend Matt, shout out. How like usually on Sundays, he has the day off, he'll get up sort of whenever he wants, turn on Red Zone, which is a way to watch like all the NFL games. Oh my God. It it literally just streams them all. Sounds so overwhelming. And shows like highlights of all the like scoring plays. So you're basically watching the most exciting moments of every game that's playing. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a lot. For just like like eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Love that for him. Yeah. I mean, like, so if you're into sports, like it's fucking Candyland. So like... And he just sits and doesn't enjoy, like, you know, has some lunch, whatever, like, very chill, relaxed, and, like, is he accomplishing something magnificent that day? No, but he's joyful, he's happy, he's content, he's, like, yeah. at peace, like, that is a beautiful day, you know? And, like... Yeah. Oh, I just... This... this One time over quarantine, my mom was like, wow, Lucas, yesterday I listened to this podcast about happiness versus um, purpose and how purpose is more important than happiness and I really think you should listen to it and I had this like visceral reaction where I was like you know what I don't need someone to fucking tell me whether purpose or happiness is more important because I can decide that for myself in any given day absolutely <laughs> but like you know absolutely. it sounds like his Sundays are his days to just like prioritize his happiness absolutely and red zone Red him happy. <laughs> That's it, man. and I think you know I think because we tend to be work people oriented by doing sometimes purpose as we perceive it takes priority but that is so subjective anyways like purpose as a concept in our own lives is completely i don't know i think everyone's got to find their own personal balance of happiness and purpose and i don't i don't know if i'll ever find it because i think Mm -hmm. i derive happiness from purpose um Mm -hmm. and i guess the other is not necessarily true like i'm not i'm not always purposeful when i'm happy but right i feel like happiness is more of like a a singular thing it's like something that can happen to you or something that you can feel or experience but it's it, it comes and it goes and it, and it doesn't always stay whereas right. like purpose to me feels more everlasting it feels yeah. more of like a that's a good way of looking line i don't know of how we do things but something else i was thinking about in terms of environment <laughs> you could call this episode like your environment <laughs> matters exclamation point <laughs> I think that's absolutely what the episode's gonna be called just like, because I think of the time during school for me, like, created almost like this tunnel vision where it feels mm-hmm. like when you went to LA, the first time it sort of was that, not in a bad way, like, no. I, I derive so much of my joy and pleasure and happiness and literally I wouldn't be where I am in, a, in this professional world without school. Like, I couldn't not have gone yeah. in terms of my, like, timeline. Similarly, it sounds like to you for LA, like, it did create <laughs> this, like ultra focus where like my view of of what's around me sort of disappeared and because of that i created these like very distorted views of both myself and of the people around me and just like life in general and i feel like that's exactly what has happened in our country as a whole it's you know it's your lens gets smaller and smaller i talk about that i think the lens imagery works well for me because it does like your lens can shrink and it can also expand and when you're in one singular environment with one singular purpose and maybe that's like super purposeful super happy fulfilling for you as a person but over time your lens contracts because your singular focus is all that you see Mm -hmm. and that can limit your ability to step into someone else's world which is an important part of being a social human Mm -hmm. so it can be isolating or it can just be like you you get really bonded with one group of people and maybe that's awesome but for a time right and i think you need to have those experiences or those people that expand your lens because ultimately we share this world it's not one person is more important than the other but we do feel that way when people threaten our core values because they're not willing to have a conversation about how to coexist like they're not willing to compromise and yet as I sit here I'm thinking about those motherfuckers who I'd like to bop over the head with a hammer and I just like I'm not going to apologize for that so I don't know how those two things can coexist but I think that I am prepared to accept I am prepared as a human to have a conversation about your value system and I'm prepared to debate its merits but I'm not prepared to have any sort of civil conversation I mean I suppose I could but I'm not prepared to to give away any of my opinions regarding people right and 
and women's right to choose. Yes. I don't like those are non-negotiables and I think those are non-negotiables for like like I think a pro pro life people that's a very non-negotiable issue for them. And that is a problem. Totally. <laughs> I mean you coexist with those people. Totally. I mean there I I actually have heard some people like for example on the daily they, they did a lot of episodes where they went to different states and interviewed people in swing states. And there was one episode where these three probably middle-aged women were talking about how they had grown up and lived their 20s super pro-life and only in the past four years have they come to understand that like while they personally don't believe in abortion how their their viewpoints against pro-choice have actually really hurt people and have made it really unsafe and have you know not really stopped people from getting abortions but just made the process terrible right that's powerful for me to hear those women come to terms with that and like i don't know how that journey happened for them maybe it was donald trump but those issues are non-negotiable for me and so that's that's a space where like how do we coexist who knows when it happens or how but you have to be open open you know you nobody's telling you to change how you feel immediately with no reason but you have to be open and really just like give a shit about human beings yeah like, that's it, right? Like, I, I think that, like, I, I just think that we're the only species that is this violent towards one another. Yeah, and I, I think, like, I there's so many pieces to how we even got to this place where I think because I grew up with the internet and its social media factions, like, I think, I think hating people, like, oh, I hate people, or, like, I don't want to deal with people today. I don't think it was until this summer that I was like, man... I really love people. Mm. You know, they're so complex and they're so frustrating and sometimes I just want to punch them. But they also are so, like, all, all human beings have so much potential and so much, I believe, inherent goodness. I know some people would argue that humans are inherently good. Maybe we're not. But I agree with you. I think that we need to approach being alive from a compassionate point of view. I think that starts really young, which is why I'm so hoping that our public education system can get a little better. I don't know what that's going to look like. And honestly, as much as I love people, like I'm not super optimistic about America's ability to change as fast as I think it needs to. I'm really not. I think we're going to be fighting this battle for civil rights our whole lives. Yeah. I'm hoping that like two generations below us, they have a little bit less of a tough time. But I think that like us just being compassionate people and trying to instill those values in other people through a medium like this podcast or just through our everyday lives, like that has to matter okay so first of all i grew up in a family where i mean 100 percent of my family are immigrants but like specifically on my dad's side like my dad is from chile he was born in chile my grandmother also my 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 aunt on that side was born in france but they lived in chile under a dictatorship and they've lived all around the country, all around the world. Like they lived in Africa, they lived in all parts of Europe, they lived in a bunch of different places in South America before coming to this country when my father was 16. And like my father and my aunt have both recounted different types of racism that they have dealt with in different parts of the world. Like I remember my aunt, I grew up listening to her tell stories about how she was like severely harassed when they lived in Algeria because she was a woman who was not Muslim. She did not cover her hair. She did not cover her face. And she was harassed by Algerian men. And, you know, my dad has experienced a lot of racism in this country. My dad's pretty white looking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but his name's Pablo. And, like, he's gotten stopped at airports and, like, pulled in. You know, just, like, just different, like, kind of underlying racist pathways that you can experience. And it's interesting to me because there, my family stresses the importance of learning and academia and like being present to different people offering you new things but i also really credit my father because my father he lives he exists in this this world in a way where he just his values are like be kind love and protect your family and like live with happiness like Mm -hmm. live a good life and i don't think we didn't talk about that a lot growing up that was just kind of his culture so i picked up on that and I've always been the type of person who enjoys being around all different kinds of people. I didn't, you know, we didn't grow up in a world that was so polarized. So we weren't struggling with these questions of like, how do I deal with people who have these crazy conservative views? Like the closest I got to that as a kid was 
when I became aware of my gayness, like my parents wanted to protect, wanting me to like tone it down when I would go and I would drive through super red states to go to a dance class or if I was gonna fly through Texas, like don't wear your rainbow shoes. Of course, I never listened to them because I always wanted to be able to wear my gayness as a silent protest to any who would look upon it in a way that was unfriendly. But I think that that's where my ideology came from. But I, my experience of the world has been when you treat people with kindness, they respond in kindness. And I think that that's even true. If you were to stick me in the middle of like Ohio, I would be fine because I would treat people with kindness. And I probably would have to have a lot, a lot more hard conversations where I would have to defend, you know, like I'm lucky that I come from a pretty fucking liberal family mm-hmm. and all my friends are liberal. Like I have like very few, I have a couple conservative friends. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So yeah, I think my experience of the world has just been to love and to be loved in return is like the best way to live life. And we are not fundamentally as polarized as we think we are. We just are fed these messages that we are polarized, so we become polarized. And then crazy people in crazy parts of the country do crazy things like showing up to anti-COVID rallies with guns, and that makes us feel threatened. Then we go protest for George Floyd, and that makes the right feel threatened because they're a bunch of nimwits. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, it's, 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 it's not as complicated as... I, I, I think that we all have the ability to like live in this world in a loving way if we choose to lead with that. Yeah. And that is just learned through experience. It's practice, you know, just like everything we've been talking about. Like, And this, you know what? This goes back to the beginning when I was talking about Kristen. <laughs> okay. And, and like being in this space where you're constantly uncomfortable as this catalyst for growth. And like we think that because we're adults, like we need to know things. But like, bitch, if you didn't learn the things, how are you supposed to know the goddamn things? It doesn't matter if you're zero or 100. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always going to be a period where you're learning something Mm -hmm. and you got to be okay with being an idiot because it's not a reflection on you or your intelligence or like your lot in life, your worth. It is a reflection of what you've experienced, what you've learned up to that point and what you haven't, like what you have yet to experience and learn. So that openness to change and like that willingness to be uncomfortable so that you can grow, like it runs throughout and it, it's a problem in men specifically. Like mm-hmm. we were just taught to be like these proud, strong men who can withstand the storm. 100%. And, and more often than not, like we're not equipped and we're not willing to admit that we're not equipped. Yes. And it's cause it's, it's not a weakness. And I think you associate the not knowing of things or feeling stupid or feeling silly or like feeling less than as a weakness and nobody wants to feel weak so we have to decide that we know everything. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But in that, you build that up over time. That consistency of feeling like you know everything shuts your ears off and it closes your mind. And then you're not capable of learning. And by denying yourself the opportunity to learn, you're actually just limiting your progress in general. Like You're yeah. limiting how much you know. And that's why to pursue being uncomfortable and to pursue learning, to have this hunger and yearning for knowledge and experience like if you just make that commitment all the time to always want to pursue this uncomfortable state of like learning more and more and more and you just grow and grow and grow like that's how you become limitless you know and what and what a thing like i i get a little emotional like what a thing to like get to the end of your life feeling like you've literally left no stone unturned I, I mean, I think about youth and like I think about its fleeting nature and I think about <laughs> how much there is to see and do and how I have these goals, but these goals only pertain to this one lifetime that I'm living in my 20s. Maybe by the time I'm 30, like I will have a different goal. But what a beautiful thing it is to like arrive at the end of your life, whenever that is, and like reflect back and be like, I did all that I could. I mean, to me, like that that is so beautiful. I did all that I could. I learned all that I could. I loved as hard as I could. I mean, anything else is gonna, I would imagine would, would cause regret. Yeah. You know, to not be loving to like the person who holds different views holds you back Mm -hmm. and to be the person that holds different views and not be willing to change your views because you're too stubborn and what you think, you know, that holds you back. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's not as complicated 
as it seems. No, no. But even me thinking about like your life, it, even in the short amount of time that there have been super, super big checkpoints in your life that you can look back on and yeah. be like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these huge flag posts of just like, this was a chunk of my life that completely different from this. And like, I think that's maybe a young thing that people think is like a young thing for change your direction, go to, you know, try something new. And like, yeah, clearly, maybe. maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but like clearly you decided that like, or no, you learned, I think that like, it could be dance, but for this time it was yoga, but it's really about dance, but I could really also do politics and I could also do other things too. And you realize that like, it's not a you thing. I don't think, I think it's just like a life thing where like at any moment you can sort of assume a new position and you're doing that because you're, you're searching for knowledge and experience, I think. Yeah. You know? I I really, I think you nailed it. <laughs> I'm not joking. I think you nailed it. I think like, I think a lot of people are intimidated by, not intimidated, that might not be the right word, but overwhelmed by when I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all these different things. And like, I'm right. so interested in this, 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 and that. And they're like, wow, he's a little crazy. Um, but you're, I think you said it well. It, it is just born out of curiosity and a desire to like uncover and wherever that takes me like I think I'll always have this city as a home base because I've really fallen in love but there's a lot of other places in the world and that I'd like to be and things that I'd like to do and I think my nomadic ass will probably find a way to do those things at some point and I think that that's maybe that's you know my lot in life and I'm definitely grateful to have found myself on the path that I have found myself and I look forward to when we do a podcast a year from now, <laughs> we talk about what went wrong. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for this. This was better than I could have expected, honestly. <laughs> we really... <laughs> we just like... Went around uh, a while. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Happy man. It was here. a pleasure. All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Sorry, please.